0: approaching. Junction at platform. Passengers. Airport, please stay on board. Next stop, road station.
1: iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone.
2: Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable.
3: Hello and welcome to the Game Football Podcast from The Times on an evening of high drama as both Germany and Spain dig themselves out of a hole while Poland and Sweden and France and Portugal play out absolute crackers. The group stage is done. Now it's down to the business end of Euro 2020 on the game. And remember, if you're enjoying our podcast, of course, make sure you're subscribed on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast from. And also make sure you've gotten that subscription to the Times and the Sunday Times for our great Euro 2020 content across all of your devices. Remember, if you sign up today, you can get it for less than a pound a day. Just go online, search thetimes.co.uk forward slash the game to begin your free trial. I'm Hugh Croft. Thanks for joining us once again. And just what an evening it has been. Joined by James Gearbrand, Jonathan Northcroft, and Gregor Robertson, how are you all? Very well, Hugh. There were some fantastic games. A little bit earlier on, it finished Portugal two, France two. Germany 2, Hungary 2 as well. We'll start with a game involving France and Portugal because I think it was was probably my favourite game of the competition because aside from the matches that have all that quality, this one had the drama of the decisions as well, the referee right in the heart of it and all of us just getting a little bit angry and wanting to see a beautiful game continue. So let's start there. Group F finishing with France on top, Germany second, Portugal third, and then Hungary at the bottom. But there were times it was like musical chairs. The teams were swapping positions in the group like wildfire. Gregor Robertson, I'll start with you on this game between France and Portugal. What did you love the most?
0: What I love the most? I, I just love the fact that you knew there were so many heavyweights of like bona fide superstars on the pitch that at any moment there could be a flash of brilliance and the game would be turned on its head. And I think, you know, there were moments like, as you've said, some very controversial penalty decisions which we'll come to. But Pogba's pass through to Benzema was sublime. Some of his touches, his little drag back and shot that Patricia pulled off a great save from uh, Mbappe threatening behind with his pace it, was, it wasn't it was his best game but he was always a threat always a danger Benzema obviously getting his two goals Ronaldo getting two goals it was just you know this is where this is what these competitions are all about really having two teams to the strongest fancied teams in the competition going head to head and as I say I, you know I think there have probably been better games in terms of quality both teams have some flaws or I don't know, they certainly don't seem to have hit top form yet, um, but just the fact that there were so many outstanding players on the pitch uh, still made it a compelling night.
3: I think tonight gave us the feeling that it was already the knockout stages because yeah. teams, the, the teams felt like they were going for it, like this was it, 90 minutes uh, to either survive or pack your bags. Three penalties awarded, Jonathan. Two of them converted by Cristiano Ronaldo, a brace as well uh, for his former Real Madrid teammate, Karim Benzema. Let's start with those penalty decisions. The first one, Hugo Lloris on Danilo Pereira. It it was a punch. It was an elbow. Rio Fernand called it GBH. How did you see it?
4: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it it was pretty appalling, actually, and um, I would certainly be in the camp that that thinks that goalkeepers get away with an awful lot that, that no other player on the pitch could get away with. And, and, um, yeah, he caught a bit of the ball, but it was, it was just a a classic goalie recklessly trying to clear everything out without any sort of thought to, um, the, the opposition. Uh, it was quite right that it was a penalty. It was probably the best of the penalty decisions. I mean, I, I, almost wrote a piece at the weekend about how good VAR had been and I pulled back from that and I'm really glad I did because I think actually in the last few days we've, we've seen controversies similar to the, the, the Premier League. I, I do think refereeing in general has been really good in the tournament. I think there's a really good generation of European referees. Uh, you see that in the Champions League but I'm not sure if Mr Lahoz is one of that good generation, shall we say. Um, and yeah, I'll take that
3: first penalty. Not sure about the ones. Let me take you into the world of my WhatsApp conversations during this match. I sent a message to my friends after that first penalty was awarded saying, I'm not saying it's not a pen, but they can't keep not checking these big decisions. Eventually, we'll all be saying that one of them has ruined a game and asking why didn't the ref have another look. And moments later, we saw Nelson Samedo nudge Kylian Mbappe And suddenly there was another penalty. And once again, I think like the first one, the referee didn't go over to the screen and check it. The VAR officials not deeming it necessary. And I do feel like eventually... This will come back to bite us at some point during this competition. James Gearbrand. what did you make of that second penalty? Tomato on Mbappe. But also, what do you make about VAR at Euro 2020?
1: My general feeling is that VAR has been used well in the tournament. Um, and I have never kind of agreed with, there's a certain kind of, um, you know, strand of opinion, which is that it's black and white you either have VAR and you have this kind of minute level of intrusion that you have in the Premier League, or you have nothing. You have what we had before, you have no VAR. And I have never believed that it's black and white. I've always felt that um, the kind of the way that VAR is used in the Premier League, the very kind of minute, pernickety, um, you know, way that it is applied is not the only way that it can be used. Um, And I do think it's been used an awful lot better in this tournament. Um, And I, yeah, I I guess I would tend towards the opinion that, uh, you know, there can be ultimately a better version of VAR. I think the application of it, um, you know, in the Premier League last season, um, you know, I I don't think um, that maybe we learn enough from the way that it had been used in um, previous international tournaments. Um, so yeah, I, I think, and I, I also think, um, I think Jonathan's point is right as, as well, that um, when people say that the standard of officiating has been really good in this tournament and a lot of the focus has been on, um, you know, the sort of, the way in which VAR is utilized, and I do think that's part of it, but I also think it is just that you have the creme de la creme of the you know the European referees in this tournament. Okay, yeah, you know maybe there are a few who you know we don't necessarily rate, but you know in, in general you have the absolute best of the best operating in this tournament. I actually think there are some very 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 good referees um, in the uh, working in the Euros. I'm probably going to forget some, but I, I think you know the likes of Felix Brick and, and, and Bjorn Kalper are, are really excellent. Uh, there have been others that whose whose names I can't quite recall in this at this moment, but um, yeah. So I, I think that uh, has also been part of it, and probably you know also shines light on the fact that part of the problem in the Premier League is is you know the standard is not quite as high across the board, which I
3: guess you would you would expect. What do you make, Gregor, of the third penalty? Then the handball from Jules Kounde? <laughs>
0: it's another one of those ones where you just your gut instinct tells you. <laughs> it shouldn't be a penalty you know he obviously put his hands up to claim for a for a foul i think or for maybe handball i can't remember what it was but he's claiming for something um and then his hands are kind of coming back down and then he's turning around yes it's above the head that's that's more kind of leaning towards the way, the law and the way it has to be interpreted so it, but again i just like let's like some of the decisions we've talked of over recent days you just your, your gut instinct is that shouldn't be a penalty kick um, and my gut instinct with Loris was that's a penalty kick, uh, particularly because uh, you know I've been railing against this a little bit over the last couple of years. Is that if if you're a defender and you make any sort of tackle with force, it doesn't matter if you win the ball or not. Now, so goalkeepers have been like wildly overprotected and underpenalised for a long, long time, and you know because the ball was headed onto his his hand a, a fraction of a second later. He still like smashed into him with his elbow and it was very dangerous. (laughs) So it has to be, it had to be a penalty.
3: Listen, I just think with this VAR, then they're never going to overturn anything. This competition, I don't know if we'll get anything really overturned by the VAR official. And for me, that means what's the point in having them? I mean, I'm not gonna dwell on it because it was a fantastic game, but yeah, I've still got my gripes and I'm sure they'll continue on the game podcast for the coming weeks, so so stay tuned. Uh, but I did wanna talk about the two main performers of the evening, Cristiano and Karim, cuddles at half time as well. Don't show Roy Keane the pictures, um, but they were fantastic and it was two big names, big figures in the world of football at the fore as well, Jonathan. I thought that was great to see.
4: Yeah, it was. It was. Um, I mean, surely those two guys are are allowed a cuddle at halftime without compromising their winning, uh, you know, credentials, um, which, you know, I think they've proved over the years in their careers. Um, It's been a bit of a year of of, um, established strikers, certainly, uh, doing the business. You think Lewandowski and and also Lukaku shining like he has. Um, And, Benzema has been, uh, you know, he, he's been fantastic since since the tournament started. I think he's given a new dimension to France, and he was unlucky enough to have scored before tonight. He had a very marginal offside in I can't remember if it was the, if it was Hungary or the Germany game. It's curious to me that Mbappe and Griezmann aren't as productive with him on the pitch. That's that's a little question mark in my mind whether, you know, well as Benzema's playing, is the chemistry for those two players in particular working the way. It was with Giroud. I don't know. That's how, that's that's. It could be that maybe France are missing Matuidi more than anything else, um, and that's what sort of slightly affected those two. But but yeah, I mean Benzema's that 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 sort of run just timed to absolute perfection, staying right on the line, just on side through VAR with the assuredness of the finish was incredible. That the penalty was really assured, given he'd missed his previous. 3 I think for France and Cristiano I mean you know you, you, to to go level with Alideia um it, it's one of those records that you just thought would never ever be broken never be equaled nobody would ever get near it and see somebody sort of do it um you know in in top level of the european competition as well not against Liechtenstein in a friendly or anything like that is it's quite something and I know you know probably 63 of those 109 goals have been penalties or something like that but you've still got to score them as they say and I mean just the the ice cold efficiency of Ronaldo in those moments he had to convert those penalties both of them and there's never really any doubt I mean has any player ever had a stronger mentality? I'm not sure.
3: I'm going to go for the pronunciation is more Ali Day, yeah. just in case anyone thinks the former Southampton forward has 109 <laughs> international yeah, goals. Like,
4: yeah, yeah, it wasn't Ali Day, was it?
3: <laughs> and there was another funny moment in the game as well because Pepe was screaming at Rui Patricio, just telling his goalkeeper, I've seen him take hundreds of penalties when we were teammates in training in games at Real Madrid He is going to your right-hand side. And I mean, he was just pointing it about 15 times before the penalty was taken. And Gregor, he was incandescent after it went in the back of the net as well. Would you be fuming?
0: Yeah, absolutely. That was the funniest bit of it, though, his reaction afterwards. It's just kind of, I told you, man, I told you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know you would be. I mean, he told him enough times and I don't know, maybe it was loud in there, but. Yeah, he's got his inside information, and he didn't, he didn't listen. So
3: I loved it because Rue Patricia went to say something back, and he had no words, and he he almost wanted to argue, yeah. and then realised, yeah, there's actually nothing I can say, and he didn't even say sorry. He just looked shell shocked. But there you go, you get an earful from Pepe. You are going to look shell shocked, Gregor. Back to back draws now for France. Are they fallible? Are they as good as we thought they all were going into this?
0: They're as good a team on paper. <laughs> they're just, I think, like most teams in the competition. I'd say only Italy are are kind of playing to their full potential, and the Netherlands have probably exceeded what everyone expected from them. Um, but beyond that, everyone else has certainly got flaws, or they're not—they've certainly not hit full full stride yet. And you know, clearly, you you would uh, include England in that. But the way that Deschamps sets the team up is not—they're effective. There's, that's 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 kind of what they've been prided on so far. Now that's why that's why they won World Cup. They were just effective. They had they had Mbappe going forward, and they were very solid. And I think they're they're kind of doing that, but only just just now. It's like they're playing on the edge. They're not they're not really looking as quite the the, the attacking threat that they that they have in previous tournaments. Um, they're still looking pretty solid at the back. I just think you know there's some. Tough decisions got them tonight, but they're not really quite clicking up front. And I, th- I think, as Johnny said, you know, part of that could be could be the inclusion of Benzema, and uh, as Alison has reminded us many, many times, the exclusion of Olivier, Olivier Giroud. <laughs> 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 it could well be though, because it's not the same dynamic. And Mbappe has been particularly subdued, so they still have to be favourites, just because of the the star quality they have in their team.
1: Sorry, that's such a strange team, aren't they? Because. When they, when they kind of go up to those, to those high gears, which they're capable of, I mean, they can be just they can be irresistible. I mean, I think before the tournament, you know, I think they put four goals past Sweden. Uh, obviously, they scored four in the World Cup final. They put seven past Ukraine and, and there were times in that, in that first half of the tournament against Germany where they, you sort of felt like they were just toying with Germany. Um, but then at times, it's just like that light goes out and They seem, you know, at times they seem very pedestrian, very ponderous, Um, you know, it's sort of, you feel that the team sort of really isn't kind of arranged in a way that makes the most of the talent at its disposal. So yeah, they're a a strange team, but they are, they are really, you know, they're a formidable tournament team. And and as Gregor says, I mean, they have to still be, I think, probably the favourites.
3: Well, I think the knockout stage might actually be easier than the group stage was for them. They face Switzerland next, and then it's Spain or Croatia. Maybe it does get easier for the French. Certainly doesn't get any easier for Portugal, though. They face Belgium next. They were fantastic at times during this match, though. I think they're an emerging force. I wonder, will Belgium be too much, Johnny, do you think, for Portugal?
4: I think they might be. Um, For me, Belgium have been... Uh, you know, we we take them for granted a little bit just because we know them so well and we kind of expect them to win because they, they they are the number ones they win all the time and i i just I just thought lukaku has been you know a step up again from even from what he did this season. Um De Bruyne is growing into it. Um they're a really quality team and I think I think Port- Portugal's interesting because you know it's still it still boils down to being a bit of a Ronaldo show. Um, even though they've got Jota and they've got Bruno. You know, Bruno only came on in the last sort of 15 minutes and, and had clearly had a point to prove and almost gave away a penalty trying to prove that point, trying to tackle back. But, you know, the, he he didn't even get in the team tonight and Jota hasn't quite been what, what we know he can be. Bernardo hasn't been at his best and everything is a bit still based around Ronaldo. So I, I, I wonder if... Um, if they really do have enough. What was lovely about Portugal tonight was, was Renato Sanchez's performance. I think that's a great story. The resilience he's shown, um, in that, you know, coming back from, from the depths of, 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 you know, being, being a laughingstock, I suppose. after The Liberty
3: Stadium, you can say it, Jonathan. (laughs) The
4: Liberty (laughs) years, yeah. Um, (laughs) And, um, yeah, you know, it just shows what what a strange game football can be for, for a young talent sometimes. Um, he was. He, I mean, if he hadn't already played in England or if he hadn't already had that big move, you'd have been looking at him tonight and going, "Wow, you know, look at look at that skillful, powerful midfielder that you could you could put into English football." Um, so yeah, Portugal are they, they are the unknowns, aren't they? They were like this at the last Euros. Didn't win in the group stage. Went on and won it. We're never quite sure what to expect. Um, they've slightly disappointed me though, I have to say, because I'm, I'm, I thought before the tournament on paper they really could spark, and they just don't look like all that new talent has brought them quite enough progression. So I would go with Belgium in that in that second round.
0: Sorry, Renato Sanchez, 23. <laughs> that, that shocked me. I mean, that he's still 23 after, you know, obviously bursting on the scene, as uh, Michael Richard says, um, in the <laughs> last year so you know, it's like, it does seem to, it does seem a shock to me. I would also add just, you know, yes, it is, they're so reliant on Ronaldo, but Ronaldo wasn't, I know it sounds daft, he wasn't great tonight. He scored those two penalties and he take the headlines, but you know, there was a time when he switched a switch of play and he he miscontrolled it. it, went under his foot and out of play. There was he wasn't he wasn't that effective. He wasn't he wasn't really causing France any trouble, but he gets the headlines, he scores the two goals, he's a leading scorer, he just somehow scores goals and gets <laughs> gets Portugal through to the next round. And that you know, that's that's a huge force.
3: And that's what you call being a talisman. Um, I wanted to talk about what was going on in Munich, though. Germany tonight coming from behind twice to draw against Hungary. At times they were second, at fourth. They ended up the Hungarians in the group and, and Germany were going out at times. It was another thrilling match as well. And I think the Hungarians showed incredible heart. James, tell us what you thought about this game because it, it ebbed and flowed
1: yeah it was a fascinating game because i think i mean the context obviously of germany having you know really swept aside portugal in a dominant attacking performance where they created a lot uh, and i think we all probably thought after that match you know they would brushed off the cobwebs and they'd sort of found the system that worked for them and we were going to see germany as a real force in this tournament uh, but tonight, it was really back to you know they, uh, they were they were poor for most of the match, and it was really back to the bad old days, really, that have kind of plagued them for the last three years, where they just have seemed, you know, uh, just like they have they've they've seemed to lack ideas and incision on the pitch, um, and they just have they've seemed a, a dysfunctional team. To be honest, I mean, it, it may not be the greatest German generation ever, but this is still a team with a huge amount of talent. And uh, yeah, they did, not, uh, they did not live up to that tonight. Um, they, uh, I think what was really significant about this game was um, the system that Hungary played against them. I mean, I, I said on uh, my previous appearance on the podcast, I was shocked by how unprepared Portugal were to face the, 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 the wingbacks in Germany's system. Uh, Hungary were not at all. Evidently, they prepared for that, for that very threat. Um, and they really shut down Joshua Kimmich and Robin Hussens um, by matching up Germany's shape, playing a 343 three of their own. Um, and I think it will be very interesting given the difference in how well and effectively Germany played against Portugal's 4-2-3-1 compared to Hungary's 3-4-3. It will be fascinating to see what Gareth Southgate makes of that and what consequences that might have for how he sets England up. But with the caveat, of course, that Germany did actually change their shape because it wasn't working in the first half. They went back to a 4-3-3. Uh, Leon Goretzka, I mean, they got, you know, they got one goal from uh, a mistake by Gulacsi, the Hungarian goalkeeper, coming out and missing a punch and another from Leon Goretzka right at the end, which really rescued them. But apart from that, they did not create a whole lot, even, you know, in a dominant performance in terms of possession and territory.
3: I think England should be worried? How good are Germany? Uh,
1: I mean, I, I don't, I honestly don't think England should be worried, but I obviously don't mean that in a complacent way. Obviously, you know, I don't think England have looked particularly, um, you know, like they've hit their best stride themselves. But I think if you if you strip out all the kind of you know the Germaniness of Germany, all that kind of you know their history and their reputation, uh, and obviously all the you know that kind of that heart that place that, that Germany has in the kind of English psyche, um, you know this is a this is a, a vulnerable team. You know, as I say, it's a team that has a lot of talented players when they click, you know, they can be really, really good as you would expect a team that has, you know, Joshua Kimmich and Toni Kroos and Kai Havertz and Thomas Muller, you know, you wouldn't expect, you know, that they're not, they're not a terrible team. Of course they're not, but um, this is a team that has been quite dysfunctional and, you know, not, uh, you know, for the last three years, really they've really struggled to string consistent performances together. So yeah, they have threats, they're a good team, they probably do have, you know, they do have a lot of that kind of tournament experience, which will probably help them, they have, you know, good experienced players, but I don't think England should, you know, I don't think England should go into this with a, with an inferiority complex at all.
3: Speaking of an inferiority complex, uh, we've got two Scots on the podcast with us tonight. I'm just saying they can tell us exactly what it's like to be a, an underdog against a big nation. It's already happened. So, gents, you know, how should England be feeling about facing uh, uh, Germany? Go on, Gregor.
0: I think, you know, after watching these uh, the football tonight, uh, whoever England got, they shouldn't have feared. But having said all of that, I think they would probably be pleased that it's Germany. You know there are obviously the, the the history with Germany, but um I think if you look at the teams and the kind of just the the i don't know the the kind of might of them, I think there is a bit more fragility about Germany than the other two uh and you know I think at Wembley you know good atmosphere, I think england should England will be favorites i don't think look german as James said we've seen two Germanys, we've seen a pretty thrilling performance against Portugal and we've seen uh two performances that have been pretty pretty fragile and slightly disoriented, disoriented at times so um clearly we hope that 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 Germany turns up but even if the, even if the good Germany turn up I think England can, can easily match them and as I say I think England are their England favourites.
3: Johnny, which manager has most doubts going into that knockout game? Oh, it should be love. I mean, as, as you know, as James sort of mentioned,
4: if you take away the Germaniness of Germany, then that's a, a that's a fairly dysfunctional team. Um, albeit albeit you know they found a bit of something at, at this tournament. They certainly found a bit of common purpose and intensity. That yeah, they were fantastic against Portugal. But how much was that to do with Portugal just not having any idea how to play against the system? Uh, it's in, it'll be interesting to see if Southgate switches system. Um, I thought he might have tried it at some point during the group stage just to see how the three worked. It doesn't look like he's going to now, but it would be it would be an option for him to to sort of match up. But really, you know, I I, I think Greg is right that that Germany aren't as dangerous to England as Portugal would have been or France would have been it's just the name. It's just, it's just, it's the fact that it's Germany and it's at Wembley and it's, it's a home euro. It's just like in 96. I mean, England has got to try and throw away all that baggage and that nonsense. And, and, and you know, you made that, Terribly glib remark about our Scots, but um, it's probably true to say that um, England might have the same kind of complex that that, that we have playing, playing against England, and, and and just in the same way that Scotland they have to, have to chuck it away, England they got to chuck it away. Forget that it's Germany. Just look at the the the, the 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 team England are up against and win that game. My goodness me, I mean the draw doesn't have to open up as well. That's
3: whoa 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 whoa. Do do not look. Do not look too far ahead, Johnny. That 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 way is is for fools, frankly speaking. And, and you two have already been there. This
4: they can't think about that because it, it, it's too tantalising. But if they get through, my word, it doesn't it doesn't half get tasty for England.
1: It will be fascinating to see how England play and and obviously who Southgate plays. I mean, because Germany have this very high defensive line, not. You know, entirely dissimilar to the uh, you know the Bayern Munich team uh, under Hansi Flick, but you know probably a lot more sorry probably a lot less effective at, at times. I, I mean, it, 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 it's 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 obviously difficult because at times obviously playing the high defensive line obviously allows them to you know really compress the possession into the opposition half and at times on the front, foot, it looks very very good. But I still have not you know, uh, there were times in the opening game against France where really, I mean, it was literally just a single pass and Germany, you know, were opened up. And even in this match, Hungary's first goal came from, you know, a quick transition. I have to say, I, I'm not convinced that this system has shown itself able to kind of compensate for Mats Hummels' lack of pace in that system. Uh, I know you have got Antonio Rudiger alongside him. Um, who does have those attributes. But, I mean, I-, I think this is a team that can really be got at in transition. It's not going to happen. But for me, this this game is crying out for Jaden Sancho. But it- it- it's not going to happen. And-, and, you know, maybe Southgate has his reasons for that. But I think he's the attacker that Germany would most fear, personally.
3: Oh, there were options. There were options.
0: Just say that, like, uh, Johnny will agree with... I don't think I could have seen Gaza's goal in Euro 96 another time in the build-up to this goal in England. But it's only been like, at the time of recording, an hour or two since the football's finished. And I've already seen about 10 images of Gareth Southgate, hands on hips, after missing that penalty kick. Uh, so you've got a full week of that. You know, just to get the just the build inferiority complex as if you <laughs> if there wasn't one already. There will be by the time a week comes along. <laughs> you will
3: see Paul Gascoigne sliding in at the back post and narrowly <laughs> the, missing. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see all We'll see y'all. A million times between here and kickoff in that game on Tuesday night as well. But look, it is what it is. I think it's one for the fans to salivate over. And of course, we'll be discussing all of these attributes and, and factors and what might happen in the game over the coming days, of course. But up next, it's a thrilling end to Group E. Spain suddenly coming to life. We'll also wave goodbye to Robert Lewandowski. Stay with us on the game. you're listening to me daisy apple's iphone disassembly robot
1: is dismantling an iphone into lots of recyclable parts that's how apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods thanks daisy there's
3: more to iphone ready to pop the question the jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments Well, away from the drama of the group of death, there was another uh, busy and eventful group in action, Group E, of course, where Spain earned their first win in style. They thrashed Slovakia 5-0 and they set up a last 16 tie with Croatia, but it was a result that not many people saw coming. Let's catch up with Paul Hurst of the Times who is following Spain during this competition. And Paul, I I think a lot of people were crying out for Luis Enrique's side
2: to improve. Did you see this coming? Coming? No, I didn't. <laughs> I must admit, I went to the stadium thinking this will be a draw and maybe Spain will sneak into third position. Um, but you know, they were brilliant. They were they were very much helped by Martin Dubravka, who um, punched the, the ball into his own net uh, to give Spain their first goal. But after that, they were they were just brilliant. Spain. They were really um, really entertaining to watch. They were exactly the opposite of what they. Um, they were in the first two matches they were they just thought about their passing a little bit more I, I think in the first two matches it was almost like they were just passing for the sake of it but with Busquets back in the team i just think they looked a bit more uh, a bit more composed and a bit more um a bit more thoughtful uh, a bit more direct as well um i just think and they, they were a lot more urgent um so yeah I, I, it was a it was a very good win and you Know it is, you know, it's nine days overdue, I guess. Um, but Spain have finally, uh, finally come to the Euros.
3: Is this a case of pressure makes diamonds when it really counted when all the criticism had come towards Spain? Is that where maybe this side is going to be at their best?
2: I think so, yes. And but there's also an element of Luis Enrique actually admitting that he was wrong. Uh, he, he's a very kind of stubborn coach, Luis Enrique, but for the first time, he admitted that he's. You know, the selection for the first two games wasn't right. So he made four changes tonight. I brought in Cesar Spilikwestra as well, who was very good, um, offered that extra little bit of kind of experience. Uh, Pablo Sarabia was very good on the wing as well, scored one and and set one up. Um, So, you know, it's it's good management from him as well, tinkering with the team because, you know, that team for the first two matches wouldn't have gone far in this tournament. But I think after watching. Uh, the the game tonight, I think everyone in Spain is a little bit more hopeful. Alvaro
3: Moretta, when he missed that penalty, <laughs> what were you thinking?
2: Oh, I, I just, I didn't know where to look. I just felt so sorry for him. I just, um, it was so strange, you know, because when they won the penalty, he picked up the ball and everyone, you know, but I'd say about half of the stadium sort of held their breath and thought, oh no, really, are you going to take it? And then the other half were like, right, we're going to get behind this guy. They started chanting his name, Alvaro, Alvaro, etc. Um, and then, but as soon as he put the ball down, I just thought he's not going to score this. He's he just not got the the confidence to do it. You could see it in his body language. He just wasn't comfortable at all. I mean, to be fair to Dubravka, it was a, a pretty good save. He he dived, um, you know, quite a fair way to his right, but it was at quite a good height for him to to save it. Um, and it's kind of it's lucky for Morata in the fact that it's uh, you know will obviously not get much coverage in the morning because of the fact that Spain won five nil. But um, yeah, another another penalty missed for for Spain, and that's five in a row that they've missed now. So that's not a good record. You you. Um, uh, Uh, you want in uh, tournament football. I was
3: surprised to see uh, a new defence with Eric Garcia. Firstly, the most annoying change of name on the back of a shirt I think I've ever seen. I mean, Eric, (laughs) just Eric.
2: (laughs) (laughs) No finals, I guess, fair enough, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Um,
3: But but he was alongside Cesar Azpilicueta, who of course has a a, a much more stylish name on the back of his shirt. Um, (laughs) And Sarabia in the front three, Moreno still played out wide, but I think he was was better this time around, A, a shift in terms of his wide position to the other side of the pitch as well. What do you make of the, the changes and whether they will continue? Because the game against Croatia will be a difficult one. They won't have, maybe not, the huge swathes of possession they've had in the first couple of games.
2: Yeah, I think you're right. I think, I think the defence was the change of defence was a good move because uh, for the balance of the team, I think you need a left-footer and a right-footer. So you've got Laporte, the left-footer, uh, centre-half and uh, Eric Garcia's right footer. So I think that worked, and that will probably stay for the, for the second match. Um, I, 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 I do think he's got to change it up front. I just I can't see how Morata continues to play up front. Uh, if it was up to me, I'd play Gerard Moreno um, as, the, uh, as the head of the attacker, as the number nine, and then I'd play Ferran Torres on the right and Sarabia on the left. It'd, it'd just be a lot more balanced that way. And Torres scored an amazing goal um, Forty-four seconds after coming on uh, tonight, and you know Murata just didn't look like scoring all night, so he offers more of a goal threat. So, you know, if I was in charge, that's that's the uh, attack I'd like to pick. Croatia next. Can this side beat them? Are you confident that, that this Spain will keep improving? I'll probably be, uh, revert to pessimism again and say that <laughs> I think they <laughs> I think that, I think they'll struggle. Croatia is just such a, a good kind of tournament team. Um, I, I know that's kind of a cliche, but you. You look at the way they got to the semi-finals in, in in Russia three years ago, and you know you just admire how they, you know, grind results, etc. And I just think that Spain are such an inexperienced team, even with Busquets back in the side. I just think they lack that overall kind of control in games uh, and the you know they the need Moreno to play up front and I just don't see Enrique, uh, Luis Enrique doing that so yeah, I think I'll just go for a, a narrow Croatia victory Paul Hurst, plenty more to come from you out in Spain as well
3: I'm sure uh, following this team there'll be uh, eventful moments but thank you for joining us on the Game Podcast So Group E ends with a flourish for Spain, but it did end with Sweden on top of the group. They go on to play Ukraine next. Of course, Spain in second, Slovakia and Poland went out. But we did get another great game in the Euros today, so I thought we had to discuss it to end the podcast. It finished Sweden 3 Poland too, but a couple of goals from Poland's Robert Lewandowski. What a fantastic centre forward. He showed us with a couple of glimpses today just what we'll be missing from here on out because, look, we spoke about those big names. Johnny, you mentioned a little bit earlier on some of the great names, forwards, the proven forwards who are firing in this competition. You mentioned Lukaku, of course. Uh, you didn't mention Harry Kane. I wonder why that was. But Lewandowski did show today that if you just get him the ball, he can do something special. And I, I'm just personally sad to see Poland and him exit the competition at this stage um so just quickly Jonathan Northcroft what, what, well the thing I, w- I was thinking most watching the game was why wasn't Poland's whole game plan for all of their three matches just give Robert the ball stick it give it to Robert I know I mean that, that first goal he scored it wasn't
4: even really a Lewandowski goal you know I mean, he he kind of finds the spectacular a bit kind of unseemly, you know, he, 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 he curled one in from the, 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 the sort of corner of the box because um, he had to, you know, he's that type of player. He, he's, he's so good and he's so, so much the talisman of that team that he found it in himself and a pretty, you know, a pretty mucked up Poland team, which hasn't really been the same since it changed managers and hasn't adapted to the new style and it's clearly got a lot of problems. And he just rose above that. He has risen above that in this tournament. Um, second goal was classic Lewandowski in the box. Just a cool bit of poaching. His 56th goal of the campaign, you know, for for, for club and country. I think he scored 50-odd last year. This guy's in his 30s. Um, he is the most phenomenal. I've been interviewed him once, and he's the most phenomenal Specimen to stand next to. He's just one of those kind of guys that makes you feel completely inferior if you're if you're in the same space. Just just an unbelievable shape, physique, nice fella as well, um, and a, a very intelligent footballer with a huge mentality. Um, I'm kind of I'm I suppose I'm pleased for him if, if if that is his last Euros game to to go out like that in 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 that way. It's his, it's his fate, I suppose, to have played. For a nation that isn't, wasn't quite good enough to carry his, um, his ambitions, but
3: um, what a what a player, what 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 a performance at these Euros in, in a losing cause. Yeah, thirty-two years old now, James. He, he could be back. He could continue to do great things at this level, but the rest of the Poland squad will have to step their game up.
1: Yeah, I think you're right, Hugh. I, I, I have found over the past, um, you know, few years. I found Poland one of the most consistently disappointing nations at, at major tournaments, with the slight exception of Euro 2016. But I, I think it's it will be, if they can't have a you know a decent run at the World Cup next uh, next year, I think it will be a real sadness if Robert Lewandowski you know ends his career without having really made a big noise at a major tournament. Some of that, I suppose, is on him. You know, you could argue he hasn't quite replicated his usual scoring record at um you know major championships but i think also you know poland have failed to provide him with a good you know platform you know poland you know as you say all right they're not one of the big football nations but poland have enough talented players to be better than what they are to me they always look uh poorly coached frankly um you know, you can't tell me that the talent level in this Poland team is inferior, for example, than you know, the talent level of you know the Wales team that got to the semi-finals of Euro twenty sixteen or the Sweden team that got to the quarters of the last World Cup. This is, you know, it's a perfectly decent squad with one absolute superstar, all time great, and you know, uh, three or four very good players who play in Europe's top five leagues. Um, yeah they're just consistently disappointing unfortunately um and i wish they were because i think they could they could be one of those really punchy middleweights um who you know made a big noise in tournaments but unfortunately they just never quite seem to get it right but here's hoping that maybe they can next year at the world cup
0: can we just give sweden a bit of credit as well i mean two two clinical finishes from forsberg great you know look there's a cracking into the game as well poland obviously Thanks to Lewandowski came back and he had a couple of he 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 kind of drifted over to the left and just tried to collect the ball wherever he could and create something. He whipped a few balls in that were just like just everyone missed, and then Sweden broke away and scored. You know, Sweden, Sweden or Ukraine away England now. I've said there you go. here, I've said it. We're the fools that start talking about who they're playing next.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think Sweden are a really interesting proposition because Sweden have got they've got that ultra solid. Defensive base, haven't they? Um, You know, that we saw in the last World Cup. They're one of those super, super organised teams who will always be very, very solid. But they've now got that extra bit of individual quality that they didn't have at the last World Cup in Alexander Ishak. And also, he hasn't started every game, but Dejan Kulisewski as well. They've got two really, really good young attackers sort of grafted onto that base of very, very solid defense. You know, and as Greg Gregor said, they've got Ukraine in the first knockout round, which looks a very winnable match. Then they'll have the winner of Germany and England. They're certainly in the weaker half of the draw yeah I mean they, they they look an interesting you know they're not one of obviously they're not one of the favourites but they could be they could be potent I think
3: it's one of those it feels like Euro 20 is much more open than we thought it might be uh, now the group stage has come to an end James Gearbrandt Jonathan Northcroft Gregor Robertson thank you for being with me on this episode of the game podcast thank you all for listening as well remember make sure you're subscribed to the Times and the Sunday Times you can get it for less than a pound per day right now just go online search the forward slash the game to begin your free trial. There is no pod on Thursday, but we will be back looking ahead to knockout action at Euro 2020 on Friday. We will see you then.